Why, hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, host of PureAndSimpleBible.com. Very grateful for this opportunity to have a conversation with the Bible. Brother Adam Dean is with us, and uh, as we talked about last time, he is my cousin by marriage. He's one of my best friends by association, and I'm so thankful to study with him. Now, he brought into studio a Bible study based on a scripture in the Gospels. It's from John chapter 13, verse 34, where Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. We spent all of last episode and the rest of this episode just trying to explore the ramifications of that command, talking about its oldness and its newness, talking about its application to loving God and loving your neighbor. We ended last week kind of in the middle of a thought, and so we're going to just jump back into that thought and continue to explore the new command. So without any further ado, let's jump back into the conversation, shall we? You're, you're still kind of answering the question, why was it a new command when Jesus said, a new command I give you to love one another? You've gone through this, we've kind of like uh, gone meandering through the garden, so to speak, which is good. And as we meander, you're asking that question, why is it new? And based on everything that we've seen, it seems like it's new because it's running against our own nature or our own tendencies. Mm-hmm. And it's highlighted in parable of the Good Samaritan. It's highlighted in other scriptures. It's highlighted in the examples you gave about looking at mirrors of ourself instead of looking at others. It's new because it runs against what we're used to. Right. Uh, we, like we talked about, you know, God in his infinite wisdom when he created us, he didn't want, he didn't want creatures and beings that just worshiped him because that's all we could do Mm -hmm. he gave us free will because what's better what's a better feeling knowing someone loves you because they choose to or someone who's doing something for you because they feel forced to Mm -hmm. the idea that god wants us to love him because we chose him because he first chose us and I think when we understand how much love God has given us, how much he's forgiven us, everything that has been done on our behalf, and we put that into perspective, it helps us better than take that love and translate it out towards oh, others. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm doing a study in the book of Revelation right now. I'm getting ready to hold a meeting where they've asked me to preach from Revelation. Mm-hmm. So just kind of the big theme and and view of what Revelation's for, what's it all about. And uh, one of the themes that's very common is that we're, we're getting a window into God's side of eternity during times of crisis and struggle and persecution so that if we can understand that God is worthy of all worship and praise, then we can go through persecution and struggle because we know God and his ways are worth it. And so uh, I, I guess I'm taking that, but I'm, I'm using it in what you're saying here of uh, knowing how much God has done for us makes loving others easier. Absolutely. 
you know, you have the Pharisee here who's, like you said, trying to limit. He's trying to place boundaries on who his neighbors are. And yet God is like, there's no boundaries Mm -hmm. as to who these individuals are because I did not place any boundaries on of, of the human race who I'm going to love. I love all of you. I want all of you to be reconciled to me. I want all of you to be my children. And the amount of forgiveness and grace that is extended to, you know, the, the human race from God is astronomical. Mm. Like to put into perspective, I mean, we each can look at our own lives and know the sins that we've committed and what God has done for each of us individually. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like, man, if, if half of the sins that I've committed in my life, if that's the most that anybody else has ever done, that's a, a, an incredible amount that God has forgiven us. And, you know, this idea of, you know, continuing to, to talk about love and this idea of a new commandment, I think God really felt the need to reinforce it because knowing that he created us, knowing that he gave us our own will, he knew that we would struggle to lay down our own will in favor of his. Mm -hmm. And he wanted us to know, like you said, that we could trust him, that that love was there. And this idea of you know, trying to shape our lives to be more Christ-like, to be more in alignment with what God wants us to be. You know, we can look at Galatians chapter 5 and the fruits of the Spirit. And Galatians 5 and 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That sounds like a lot of that's a long list of things, right? And then it says against such things there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, that's our own will. Mm-hmm. We've put that aside with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, mm-hmm. let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So when we're baptized into Christ, when we start this relationship, God's promised us that he's going to give us the tools that we need to be successful. Right. And we can read, you know, these fruits of the Spirit here, this list of things. And it says that if we live by the Spirit, if we live with kind of within these things and we keep in step with the Spirit, that's going to help us. That's going to aid us in, you know, trying to live a Christ-like life. And so when you commit yourselves to that relationship, when we commit ourselves to a life serving God, to prayer, to focusing on that communication aspect between mm-hmm. us and the Father, mm-hmm. to reading the scriptures and understanding it and letting the Holy Spirit work within us, the more we accept that the more that we strive to make that a reality of Mm. walking in the Mm -hmm. spirit it changes the way you think it does it changes the way that you make decisions just like you know making a decision to go golf or to help (laughs) to vet with the kids you know it's 
understanding that every decision that we make plays into this factor. Is it, is it serving God or is it serving others? Is it affect, how is it affecting that relationship? And so the Spirit has to teach us yeah. at how to shape our will towards God's will. I was going to say for the skeptic out there who may be listening to this saying, well, th- it comes natural to me. Why do you keep saying it doesn't come naturally? I feel like I'm a pretty loving person and I feel like you know I can do this okay on my own. Um, you, the point you just made and the point you're making about how the Spirit has to teach us these things, uh, what would you say to that person who's like, well, I can kind of do it on my own. I don't need help with it. I feel like I, I got it figured out on how to love people. You know, I think that in the world that we live now uh, and the idea that we want to love and care about others, we live in a very different society also than when these scriptures were written. Um, we place a lot more value on, in, I'll say this, we place a lot more value on uh, some things now than we did back then. Mm-hmm. There's more value placed on women, for instance. Uh, women have been elevated uh, to a higher status uh, in our society today than they were during this time. Um, a lot of that was because of the groundwork that Jesus laid to right. elevate women uh, to you know, this level of equality with men. But it goes back to that first commandment again, love God. And, you know, we serve others, we care about others, but for the skeptic or the non-believer, well, why do you care about that person? If all this, if this world is all that there is, then why wouldn't you want to do all you can to, get as much money as you can, right. as much, as many things. Eat and have drink all for tomorrow the, we die. Exactly. You know, ha, I want to have all the, I want to experience everything in this life. I want to go everywhere, do everything. It's all about me. Uh, and, and along the way, I'll love people. Right. <laughs> you know, that's really the mindset. I think a lot of times is that, well, I can love people, but I'm still doing what I want to do. Mm. And that's where, we have to lay down our own will uh, in place of God's will and put God first. You know, there's a lot of great people who are out there who do incredible and wonderful things. They run charities and organizations. They feed uh, hungry people. They shelter homeless people. And they may not believe in God at all. And so you might look at that person and go, well, they're such a good person. They do all this great stuff. But still, God wants us to, and to, to that person, you know, it coming to Christ sometimes doesn't require a lot of change in action. It requires a change of heart and mm-hmm. a change of mindset. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's not a huge change of heart or mindset. It's a huge change in action. Yeah. You know, some of us, like, you know, we said earlier, you, you know, loving God isn't just with your head and in your heart, but it's the actions. Some people have the actions down, but they don't have the head and the heart part down, the heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, it's all of those things together. It's not just I'm going to take the actions or I'm just going to take the heart and the mind. It's combining all of those together. That is such a powerful point that I really hope our listeners will be able to to cling to and maybe differentiate um, from whenever they do look around and see their friends, peers, or 
especially on social media or on movies, TV, et cetera, to see the philanthropist who has great actions, mm. right? And, and, and to say, well, what do they need to do differently because they're already doing so much, and you're making the point, sometimes our actions don't change a lot when we're outside of Christ and inside of Christ, but there should be a merging of the two, the mind and the action, or the heart and the action. So some people have to make a mind, mind change where they're acknowledging their own weakness and sin, but th- they've been generous before and they're generous after with their actions. Mm-hmm. Other people, maybe they were... Uh, decent in the mind, but their actions were pretty selfish-oriented, and so that's a big change. What an incredible point, Adam. I really hope people take time to think about it, because I think we all can think about folks who are just good, decent chaps, Yeah, you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. Good people, but good. your own goodness doesn't save you. Right. Only the blood of Christ saves you, and so we'll end up deceiving the masses if we tell them that look at so-and-so who's a good person and they don't need the Lord. They mm-hmm. need the Lord too in one way or the other. Not to go on like a completely different tangent, but you know, James talks about, you know, faith and works and you know, the more you study that, the more you understand that it is both. It is, you know, your faith is displayed in your works and that you show your love for other people. You do these good things, but that, your actions alone can't save you. You know, the, the, the faith of Abraham and his, his faithfulness, the actions that he did showed his faithfulness to God. Mm-hmm. But his actions alone without faith in God would have meant nothing. Right. And so it's understanding again that it is those actions in addition to the relationship that you're building right. with God. Right. Um, that's, that's fundamental to fulfilling these two parts of the law, these these basic two principles of loving God and loving your neighbor. Oh, yeah. You know, this is the world over, the idea of uh, saving yourself by good works. And some people who don't like that word saving, just saying attainment by good works, karma by good works. I would say every major religion outside of Christianity is attainment-based, mm-hmm. works-based, even atheism and, you know, the New Age humanism is very much works-based, attainment-based. And really, Christianity stands alone as redemption, grace-based, where you can't do enough good works to save yourself. It requires somebody else to do something for, me, for you. That is odious to some people to think it's, you can't do it on your own. I've had encounters with them in the Buddhist faith when I lived in Cambodia. You want us to trust in someone else when the Buddha tells us that we're supposed to do it ourselves? Like that's so counter to what people don't realize how counter that runs to their worldview or lifestyle until they're confronted with the reality. Have you ever broke a law? And, you know, you have things in here about law breaking and and sin. In fact, um, you asked the question, how should we love others the way God loves us? And he loves us despite the fact that we're all lawbreakers. We've all done Mm. selfish things that have separated Mm -hmm. us from a righteous God. And so you have Ephesians chapter 2 and then Psalm chapter 103, a couple of scriptures that show us just how far we've gone away and how far God has gone to get us back. Right. I I love that Ephesians chapter chapter 2 really 
hammers home the idea that like we're all on an equal playing field here. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, nobody's perfect. Jesus was the only person that was perfect. All of us were in rebellion at some point or another in our relationship with God, and so we're all, you know, nobody, nobody could raise their hand and be like, nope, not me. Right. You know, we're we're all in the same boat. And sometimes and, people will say, but I didn't know God and I was ignorant of His law and I wasn't in rebellion against him and we can respond with you know in the commands you're supposed to love God and love your neighbor so when you when you rebel against God well have you ever rebelled against your neighbor mm-hmm. and so that means have you ever treated someone else yeah. in a in an evil selfish way well in doing so you have transgressed God's law right so you may think well I didn't I didn't worship him properly because I don't worship him but if you've ever cheated lied stole uh, lusted yeah. whatever envied all of these things where we we treat others selfishly and abuse and abuse them then we're also disobeying God right and the fact that God is able to because of his great love and his mercy and his grace willing to forgive us and then as Psalms 103 says and David writes that he separates us from our sin and that his love towards us is you know just immensely great yeah our sin is separated as far as the east is from the west Mm -hmm. you know when this was written david didn't probably understand uh the world and maybe the, the the shape of the world you know you know the bible says that uh, you know the earth is a sphere and stuff and you know we talk flat earth theory and all kinds of different things but what's interesting wait are you saying david is a flat earther no 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 (laughs) absolutely the opposite i think what's what's telling what's so fascinating about this is like what is the distance between east and west it's infinite right if you at least on planet earth you head east you can continue going east and never stop north and south at some point if you head north you're going to hit the North Pole and you're going to start heading south. There's a limited distance between North and South mm. on planet Earth. East and West, there's not. The fact that David used as far as the East is from the West, to me, it I get goosebumps when I think about it. Mm. Like it's an infinite distance that we cannot understand. And that's how much God loves us that he's willing to put that separation between us and our transgression if we're willing to submit our will to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have been meditating now for about an hour on the scripture, a new command I give, mm-hmm. love one another as I have loved you. And we have used a multitude of other scriptures to help us understand it. Coming to your final point um, where you talk about uh, outdoing and competing and working, etc., it really becomes action-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so one question I have is how do I do this in a way where it comes from a place of genuine desire to love versus falling into the same trap of doing, competing, working, but not having a proper motive? Uh, can you help us in this final section, maybe clarify what it means to love one another, um, and how to do it in with proper mind and proper action. Sure. Um, you know, First Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, 
keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And we talked about putting into perspective our own sin. Okay. When we put into perspective how much God has forgiven us, and, you know, I think about every sin that I've committed has been against God. They've all been forgiven. My sins towards other people, you know, my I may have a bad relationship with somebody because of one thing. Mm. If my love for that person can't overcome that, how can I expect God mm. to forgive me for all that I've done? Yeah. And so it's a, a lot of it's about perspective. But one of the verses that I, I love so much is in Romans chapter 12, mm-hmm. verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We don't usually see a lot of verses that tell us to compete with one another. In fact, it's usually the opposite. It's like, do not, don't compare your sin to someone else's sin and be like, well, at least I'm not like this poor tax collector over here (laughs) groveling on the ground. You know, I'm, I'm slightly more holy than other people. You know, we're not supposed to compare ourselves, but in this aspect, you know, Paul's like outdo each other, like try to love the next person more than you know somebody like really work to try and love each other as much as you can there's no boundaries placed on this right and that goes back to galatians chapter 5 with the fruits of the spirit you know we read through those earlier love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control but then again and we talked earlier about the the phrases at the end of verses Mm -hmm. the end of that that string of like virtues is against such things. There is no law. Mm. There's no law that prohibits our kindness towards other people. There's nothing that should stop it. You're being too kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's nothing that tells us that we can, that we should limit our patience. Right. Or our, our goodness or, or, or our own self-control. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to, understand how to love people the way that Jesus loved them, it's taking those restrictions that we place on ourselves, those limitations, like the Pharisee when he was asking the question, well, who's my neighbor? And trying to limit that circle of people around him to maybe just a handful of people and say, okay, these are the individuals I have to love. These are the people I have to take care of. Jesus was saying, remove those boundaries, remove those limitations outdo each other in trying to, you know, help one another and serve one another and care for one another. If we can remove those restrictions that we place upon ourselves sometimes, that will help us uh, in our relationships with each other. Right. It will help us to overcome the pettiness that sometimes develops. Um, you know, I hear those comments sometimes of like, well, we all have to get along, but we don't have to like each other or, you know, we we all we all agree on the same thing and we're all here. But like, you know, we don't spend time together, you know, outside of maybe worship or, you know, we don't really care about our relationships outside of this building. Mm. And that's not the way that mm. the church was designed. It mm-hmm. was designed to be a resource for us as brothers and sisters to lean upon each other in times of distress in times of heartache in times of pain or need, but also when there's times of celebration and joy 
that we have a family of people that we get together with, that we spend time with, that we Mm -hmm. love one another and care about one another. So when somebody's family member dies or another family member's house burns down, you know, the, the church is there. Your brothers and sisters are there and you can lean upon each other and encourage one another and uplift one another. God knew from the very beginning that when he created Adam in the garden, we were not in a position to figure this out and do this by ourselves. That's why he created Eve. He created a companion for Adam so that he would have somebody to help him. They could work together. So from the very beginning, this idea of companionship and relationships and how we interact with each other was set up in the garden Mm. all the way through to today. And those relationships and how we manage those relationships determines and helps us understand better our relationship with God Mm -hmm. and how we show our love for God, how he loves us, how we love other people, how we receive that love back from our brothers and sisters. Adam, you're, you're summarizing, uh, a lot in your study. I'm trying to love is a huge topic, (laughs) right? Like to, to tackle in in a, in a short. (laughs) So how about this? I'm going to ask you for a final thought. Okay. And I'm going to share a scripture before we do there, because I'm going to also try to help summarize. I've been thinking about this one since the very beginning. I've had my Bible open mm-hmm. to it, wondering, when will I get to share this? And I think now is a good time. So I want you to listen to it. Sure. It's in 1 John 2, and uh, 1 John 2, verse 7 and 8. Um, this study, you asked the question, how is this a new command? And then what we've kind of been thinking about across it is it's new because they had really stripped away what had been there all along. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it it wasn't new, but in the same way it was new. Mm -hmm. And I think 1 John 2, the apostle who was with Jesus when Jesus made the new command, uh, really helps us understand it best. He says, Beloved, I'm writing you know new command but an old <laughs> command that you had from the beginning the old command is the word you've heard and at the same time it is a new command <laughs> that i'm writing you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining now he will say the command is to love one mm-hmm. another as god loves you But he says, I'm not writing you anything you haven't already heard before. Mm -hmm. It's not new. But at the same time, it is new. And I like how he says, because darkness is going away and light is starting to shine. And so the revelation that comes from the New Testament, this newness, is that taking the same principles that's always been there, but saying you can't whittle away at the command until there's nothing left or there's enough of it that fits into your convenient box of mm-hmm. what it means to love. It really expands and explodes and becomes exponentially larger as far as east is from west is the love of God and the love that we should have for one another. And so John is reminding me it's not as new as we might think, but it's new every morning and it's opportunity mm-hmm. for me to apply it. I like that. Um, it's the way you described it too. Like it, it's not, these are not new commands. It's just 
let me explain to you why these commands were put into place from the very beginning. You go back to those Ten Commandments. These were designed to help you have good relationships with each other. The purpose behind having those good relationships was so that you would love and care and serve mm-hmm. one another. You guys missed the purpose and the meaning behind the law. So it's a new command that I tell you to love one another mm-hmm. and you show your love for one another by following these laws. Right. And so by allowing ourselves to really look at our actions, our speech, how we use our possessions. So it's not a a new command, like you said. All of those laws new were as there. in it was never commanded before. Right. It was it was always there. It was just them Jesus explaining and revealing to them the law behind the law. Yeah. That basically Love is what drives all of these things. Love drives these interactions and the fact that you don't kill, steal, you know, commit adultery, all these things because of love. But when you understand the true purpose behind the law and that it all boils down to loving God and loving others, Mm -hmm. Then it makes so much more sense, and it's a lot easier to follow a law that you know why it's in place than it is to follow a law that you don't understand. Right. There's lots of laws we don't understand. There's some some areas driving from uh, Wichita, Kansas to Dallas, Texas, that the speed limit (laughs) doesn't make sense. You could go a lot faster. It's a trap. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand the purpose for why the speed limit is what it is right there. Sometimes, you know, but if I understood that, you know, maybe this is an area that there's an, you know, a steep embankment off to the side, there's multiple accidents here regularly. Uh-huh. If I understood that, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a place I do need to slow down. Right. And then you don't get as frustrated when you have to slow down in that area that's a dangerous area. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Christianity and understanding the law of love, that when you understand that love drives all of these laws that affect our relationships with each other and our relationships with God, it's a lot easier to do them. It it just comes, it it allows us, and as we said, with the Spirit, and as we train ourselves through studying and prayer, train our heart and our soul and our mind to be thinking in this way, it becomes a lot easier for the actions to just happen. And to kind of take place. And so, um, you know, to reinforce kind of this idea of of love um, and and what it really means, you know, uh, you can point to, to Mark chapter 10 and verse 21, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and, you know, he, you know, asks, you know, Jesus what he's supposed to do and he says he's he's fulfilled all of these things and Jesus looking at him loved him. Jesus cared about this this guy. And he said to him you lack one thing. Go. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Right. Because this guy while he was in his mind had fulfilled the law Right. He hadn't fulfilled the law behind the law. Right. The love part. 
He mm-hmm. wasn't doing, he, he wasn't using his, his possessions. Himself. He wasn't loving his neighbor. Right. And that's the the crux of it, is that you can think that you've got all the boxes checked, but if you don't understand the meaning behind the law, right. why we're doing something, it's really meaningless. It's like Paul says, you know, I if I speak with tongues and mm-hmm. I do all of these miraculous gifts, give my body to be burned, but I don't have love. Right. It means nothing. It's right. just, and that's where you can really, we talked earlier about, you know, the, the, the people that are out there that are doing great things and helping society and giving back and, you know, uh, make, trying to make the world a better place. If they're not doing it for the right reasons, it doesn't mean anything. Sure. And so that's where as Christians, we have to put our focus in the right place and make sure that we're loving in the right way. All right. Well, brother, that was a very enjoyable conversation. Thank you. And I hope that others uh, enjoy as much as I did. Um, I'm hoping that uh, people will be renewed to study what Jesus says and others in the New Testament about love. And uh, that, you know, in the same way that uh, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning, his mm-hmm. love is new every morning. And so in the, in the way that this commandment is new, it's new every morning with opportunity. So Amen. thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you again, Adam. I'm very excited uh, for people to get to hear this conversation and for the time we got to spend together. I think one of the, the hidden blessings of producing this and being the host and uh, getting to be the sound engineer, all these things, is I get to spend one, two, three, sometimes four times uh, going over the material uh, with the person and then post-production as well. So it's like I get to spend an additional time with some dear friends and study the Bible with them anew. So what a blessing that was. Uh, it was a blessing to get to sit with him and, and chat about the Bible. And I hope it was a blessing for you to get to listen to it. So if you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to me. You can email me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com. I also have uh, the YouTube channel, the website, and uh, this podcast, and, and trying in various ways to be helpful to Christians and also ministerial to those who are seeking Christ. So if this is a good episode to share, share it around. Uh, you can use your phone to text it. You can use social media to post it and let people know what you enjoyed about this podcast. So next week, Lord willing, we'll have a new guest and new content to study together. Until then, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.